from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? It's Friday. Happy to be here with you guys. Give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDES. And uh, right now of note is Joe El Baboso Biden. That's right, President Biden. A lot of news about him. We're going to get into that a little bit more in the next segment. But uh, there's a poll out that shows the majority of Americans are concerned about the price of gas. And they hope that Congress will focus on oil and gas drilling. So energy independence uh, was a key staple of Trump's administration. And it seems that while Biden made it uh, a key staple of his to become dependent on everybody and their mother for foreign oil, um, it looks like most people, whether they like him or not, don't like that policy. So let's see how far that goes. Uh, There's also uh, um, some updates on First Republic Bank, which is going to be taken over by the Federal uh, uh, Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC. We're going to delve into that in a little bit as well. And we also have um, the son of the president, Hunter Biden, is now um, still being, um, I guess, scrutinized is the word I'm looking for, uh, over not including his latest grandchild or his latest child grandchild to President Biden, um, who he's in this paternity um, suit with. And he's claiming he's a starving artist in order to uh, avoid paying uh, a certain amount of child support. So, yeah, pretty crazy stuff, in my opinion. And uh, there's also a couple of other news items that I wanted to share with you. So yesterday we, we talked about the Army helicopters that uh, had crashed. Well, uh, today the Army ordered what they call an aviation stand down and uh, nobody's flying. None of the uh, military flights are going to be taken off unless they're absolutely uh, critical, like mission critical flights. So that's part of it. Now, Hunter Biden, who is pretending to be a starving artist, uh, New York Post is reporting that he's doing that in order to to avoid the the uh, the the child support payments that he has to pay for the the baby that he's fathered with uh, the uh, the young lady who was an exotic dancer. So the the story and the drama with Hunter Biden continues to the plot thickens, if you will. And then there's a big story that I just want to touch on very quickly, uh, which is uh, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito is claiming he has a pretty good idea of who leaked the uh, Dobbs draft and says that it made justices targets of assassination, which obviously was true. Uh, We saw that with, you know, somebody showing up um, to kill uh, one of the uh, one of his colleagues. And um, I want to get into that a little bit. So let's do that one just uh, so that we don't overlook it and we can move on to the other stories, because, I mean, it's a lot of things I want to get into here. Uh, Justice Alito says that he has this good idea 
And he wrote for the majority in the Dobbs versus uh, Jackson's Women's Health Organization case, told the Wall Street Journal that the unprecedented breach created an atmosphere of suspicion and distrust inside the nation's highest court. And um, here's a quote. We worked through it, and last year we got our work done. This year, I think we're trying to get back to normal operations as best we can. But it was damaging, Alito said about the unauthorized release of his draft opinion to Politico in May of 2022, more than a month before the final Dobbs ruling came down. Now, in the uh, investigation into the leak, which was ordered by Supreme Court Justice John Roberts, by the marshal of the Supreme Court, uh, Gail Curley, which, uh, who said in January that she was unable to uh, definitively identify the actual leaker saying, um, I personally have a pretty idea, a pretty good idea of who is responsible, but that's different from the level of proof that is needed to name somebody, Alito told the, the journal. Wow, it's pretty big. So he has an idea, but he can't tell us. Dun, dun, dun. Despite um, the marshal's failure to identify the culprit, uh, Justice Alito told the journal that she, being the... Um, the marshal, Ms. Curley, did a good job with the resources that were available to her. The 73-year-old conservative justice, Alito, said that he is certain of the motive behind the leak. And I think we were all kind of certain of that. But he goes on to say, <clears throat> it was part of an effort to prevent the Dobbs draft from becoming the decision of the court. And that's how it was used for those six weeks by the people on the outside as part of the campaign to try and intimidate the court. This is what Alito said, arguing that justices, um, you know, were thought to support overturning Roe were really the targets of assassination. It was rational for people to believe that they might be able to stop the decision in the Dobbs case uh, by killing one of us. Alito said that the threats emerged after the leak including the arrest of an armed man outside the house of Justice Brett Kavanaugh just days before the ruling was announced. Alito also recalled the um, how he was forced to speak to law students at George Mason University in Northern Virginia via video conference about 10 days after the leak following the uh, intervention of local police, saying that uh, our Supreme Court police conferred with the George Mason police and the Arlington police. And they said, it's not a good idea. He shouldn't come here. His security problems will be severe. So I ended up giving the speech via zoom. He said, still, there were so many protesters and they were so loud that you could hear them through the zoom. Um, today, according to Alito, he feels safe in large part because he's driven around in basically a tank. And he said, I'm not really supposed to go any place but myself without the tank or with any members of the police force there. The justice dismissed uh, an alternative theory that a conservative trying to uh, lock five justices in favor of Roe uh, versus Wade and overturning it would have been uh, responsible for the league saying that this, you know, this idea is, quote, infuriating, saying, look, this made us targets of assassination. Why would I do that to myself? He asked. Would the five of us have done that to ourselves? It's quite implausible, end quote. So that is Justice Alito on what's going on with that. Now, of course, um, while that's happening and um, he's got a good idea of 
who uh, who did it. And a lot of people suspect that it was uh, a law clerk to um, Justice Sotomayor. And by a lot of people, I mean a lot of people speculating. There's no proof of that. And I'm not making that allegation by any means. I'm just uh, telling you the, the gossip, the bochinch, the, uh, the inclinations that people have that have come by way of my ear. Uh, but again, ultimately... That's the uh, the story there. And I also want to get into what's going on with the border. As you guys know, we've got uh, Ted Nugent, who's scheduled to be with us in the next segment, superstar Ted Nugent, who um, is going to be at this rally tomorrow in Austin, Texas, to discuss the border and its porous nature. And we're going to discuss that coming straight ahead. So don't go anywhere. It's, uh, Rich Valdez, America at Night. Give us a call, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America, you know the song, come and take it. This is Rich Valdez. Welcome back. And uh, if you've heard that song and you know what's going on, you know that's Ted Nugent. And Ted Nugent is with us. Ted Nugent, welcome. Thank you, Rich. I'm uh, honored to be here. Thank you for taking me on. And I'm, I'm eager to celebrate truth, logic, and common sense with you, man. You're doing a great job. Uh, thank you, brother. And uh, likewise, right back at you. Um, I know you've got a lot going on. Obviously, you have a tremendous career in in music. You've got your activism and your commentary, and you've got a rally that's coming up because uh, in Texas, you guys are gathering tomorrow to let everybody know what's going on on how you're going to repel this border invasion with uh, the How Many More rally. Tell us more about it. Well, the key word is repel. I mean, I don't know about anybody else out there. Well, actually, I do know a lot about everybody else out there because I hang out with great, great families every day. I got a hunting operation, and we've got a a gathering every week with farmers and ranchers and cops and teachers and hardware store operators and music people and uh, just every imaginable walk of life. And everybody is just fed up, not just that America, the Zilla won't secure our borders, which is the number one responsibility of the government. Mm-hmm. But here in the great Republic of Texas, Rich, Governor Abbott, one of the best governors in the country, probably number three, uh, right behind Christy Nome and Ron DeSantis, he's doing a reasonably good job. But if you're a reasonably good bass player, you couldn't be in my band. You got to be a killer. You got to be you got to be the best. <laughs> right. And we're, we're going to put pressure on these elected employees. They're not the electing. They're not the elected officials, Rich. We, the people, are the electing officials. They're the elected employees, and they're not doing their job. You Love don't that. process invaders. You don't give invaders a bus ticket deeper into the heartland. I mean, this is bizarre, irresponsible, I believe, criminal, oath-violating behavior by the Republicans in Texas. And we're going to have a rally. We've got legislation that's moving on the fast track that we're going to create a border force. So we, the people, law enforcement, military, the heroes amongst them, not to be confused with with uh, 
uh, Austin, not the city of Austin, but Lloyd Austin and uh, Mark Milley. These guys have abandoned their <laughs> duty to, to defend America. But we, the people, are going to raise hell like we're supposed to, and we're going to create a border force of civilians, real warriors in law enforcement and military, and we're going to secure the damn border. But it's a little late, isn't it? Oh, I agree. Uh, listen, but it, kudos to you and we the people for standing up and doing uh, what has to be done. And, uh, of course, what you guys are talking about specifically is uh, the passage of this um, bill, Texas HB 20, which is uh, a Texas border protection unit. And um, I think this is something that's important because I think Texas bears uh, a burden, unlike other states that have a, a border. You guys are getting the brunt of it. Yeah, you know, I'm just a guitar player, but I'm a father and a husband and a grandpa, and I'm a working hard, playing hard, American rock solid in the asset column that that man in the arena work ethic is alive and well in the Nugent family. And again, everywhere I go, everybody I know has that work ethic and that patriotism. And the number one responsibility of a patriot is to secure the borders of your country. So we've been uh, raising hell for a long time, but unfortunately it's been falling on deaf ears. Uh, I helped get Greg Abbott elected by letting everybody know that he's a constitutionalist, that he's a law and order guy, that he's a we the people servant. He told me that when we did his uh, campaign together. But then once he became governor, there's a lot of Texans that are really let down. So we want to communicate with Greg because, again, he's a good guy and he's a good governor. But good isn't enough in this culture war turned into spiritual war that is epitomized by the manifestation of cultural deprivation where you don't secure your borders. So, yeah, Texas is the front line. And stop and think of it, Rich, and I know you've covered this, but the government of the United States and Texas is opening the door to the communist Chinese chemical warfare of fentanyl and methamphetamine. Mm -hmm. Literally, Uncle Sam is in cahoots with the communist Chinese murdering more Americans annually with their chemical warfare of fentanyl and methamphetamine than died during the Vietnam War, Rich. And I got a bunch of warriors of the military going with me down there, and I I train with them all the time. They're here at this Nugent Ranch. We barbecue, and we we train, and we hunt, and we fish, and we trap, and have a good American dream Texas time. But they are just livid that they're not allowed to actually repel the invaders. If you want to come to America, we love immigrants. My grandparents were immigrants. They came from Sweden um, and some Irish immigrants. But you, there's a there's an open door. There's a front door, and you're not allowed to sneak in the back door. And way too many have snuck in the back door, and we're going to put a stop to it. Folks, if you're just tuning in, we're on with Ted Nugent, the superstar rocker, and uh, we're talking about how many more and. The announcement of the rally to repel the border invasion in Texas tomorrow. It's in Austin, Texas. Uh, Ted Nugent's going to be there. Ted, tell us who else is going to be joining you at this rally tomorrow to remind uh, your leaders like Governor Abbott and others that they've got to take this invasion seriously. Well, we're going to find out who are real constitutional Republicans and who are rhinos like Mitt Romney bringing a doily to a gunfight. Um, We're going to find out who's really got the backbone and the patriotism to stand with us. But there's a great bunch of people. And again, it's mostly rich, we the people. Lara Logan, who's just a great frontline activist for freedom and constitutionality, she's really something. But mostly it's it's just down-to-earth ranchers and farmers and working hard, playing hard American families that are going to get together. Because, 
you know, I, all right. So I'm a rock and roll guy and I've got a 60 plus year career and I'm having the time of my life going back on the road this summer, playing the greatest music in the history of guitar noise. I'm the luckiest guitar player in the world. But first and foremost, I am a citizen of this country, and I'm experimenting in self-government. And these elected employees are not being held accountable to their constitutional oath. And I've been a sheriff deputy for 40 years now, and I've got 14 felonies to my arrest credit and a felony nice. arrest. And, and I know the, the words in that oath. Those words are why there's so many flag-draped coffins to die for that oath. And I will not let those flag-draped coffins be, you know, abandoned and, and, and disrespected by the uh, government agents not obeying that sacred oath. So there's going to be a lot of good, good families down there tomorrow. And I don't think they need credentials just to be in the asset column, working hard, playing hard, American families. And But again, Laura Logan, Laura Logan does such a great job whenever she speaks, but it's about we the people spotlighting cockroaches and either fixing them or stomping on them in a voting fashion, shall I say. But uh, it, it, we're gaining energy and momentum, and I feel real good about it. A lot of the Republicans are paying attention, and I think we're on our way. Folks, uh, if you want to help out, you definitely got to check this out. And, uh, Ted, tell them the website or how they can get involved in the rally for tomorrow. Well, bottom line is I got a, I got a tednugent.com where you can get all this information. Uh, and I imagine I'm looking on my phone right now, Rich. I imagine there's some kind of website for uh, how many more. It might be howmanymore.com, but I've got on my website the link to what has motivated us to finally step forward and demand border security. Stop and think, Rich. Here we are in April of 2023 with so much mm-hmm. treachery with these freaks in the White House and these traitors in the DOJ and the CDC is against health and the FDA is making sure our food and drugs are poisoned and the ATF, I don't know what the hell they think they're doing, but we, and the FBI, they've turned into a gangster organization. It's really, the, the DOJ is the Department of Anti-Justice. The Department of Defense is the Department of Anti-Defense. So these are treacherous times, but I'm seeing indicators where the people are rising up. I think we saw it first at the school boards here in Texas, where yeah. we were seeing this, this evil, uh, that grooming our children and brainwashing our children. Well, let's pick up on that right after the break. The music means we're going to pause for a second. We're coming right back with Ted Nugent. We're going to talk about the How Many More rally, and we're going to talk about the uh, Ted Nugent Spirit of the Wild TV show. That's something that we're going to talk about on the Pursuit Channel. So don't go anywhere. It's Valdez. We're live with Ted Nugent. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen.
Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Again, our phone number, if you want to join this national conversation, give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ, or just hit us up at Rich Valdez on all of these social media, and that is Valdez with an S. Our guest is Ted Nugent, uh, rocker extraordinaire. He's with us. They've got the rally coming in Austin tomorrow, uh, but he also has the Ted Nugent Spirit uh campfire podcast stream as well as the ted nugent spirit of the wild tv show let's start with that one it's on the pursuit channel ted nugent what's up with that well you know i've been a hunter and a fisherman a trapper and outdoorsman all my life Uh, the conservation ethic is alive and well across this great country we have more deer more cougar more bear more turkey more geese more antelope more bison in over 150 years, but all those other species more than ever in recorded history because of the hunting, fishing, trapping, conservation of those families of this country have invested gazillions of dollars to maintain habitat, to upgrade habitat, and make sure that science-based sustained yield harvest quarters are maintained and that we police it. We pay for the policing of these wildlife uh, dreams that we've created here. And so I decided that I would uh, uh, promote it and celebrate it from the rock and roll intensity point of view, shall we say, the high energy of my music career, because people are always fascinated when I talk about the spirituality and the perfect of the, the perfect mm-hmm. diet of venison and wild game. And uh, I started the Ted Nugent Spirit of the Wild show 34 years ago, and we've been a top-rated show for 34 years. We're on the Pursuit Channel now. We're the number one hunting show in the nation, I think, in the nice. world. I give most of the credit, Rich, to my wife, Shemaine. We have a Queen of the Forest segment where she's really recruited a lot of gals to realize that self-sufficiency begins with the ultimate diet of wild game. And there's so much wild game available that uh, everybody can participate in it. And we've really changed a lot of lives. So I, I appreciate and thank everybody for all these years of support. That's outstanding. Now, you know, this, this program was, uh, you know, I don't know, 30, 45 years ago, started by Larry King. And, and he was famous for asking interesting questions like, you know, how's a nice kid from Texas like you get involved in playing guitar? And uh, he's famous <laughs> for those questions. And I'm going to ask you that question. How, how did you end up in, in this business? Well, I was born in Detroit in 1948. And, of course, that was the eruption of what Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and Little Richard were creating, mm. this new outrageous flame-throwing, grinding, high-energy music that was a direct result of those black heroes the Howlin' Wolf and the Muddy Waters, the B.B. King, Freddie King, Albert King, all the Blues Brothers that were rejoicing the end of the worst sin of mankind, and that's that's slavery. And those black rhythm and blues and gospel singers and blues artists, they were expressing a very painful and agonizing emotion of being a victim of this curse of slavery. So once we finally threw off the shackles of slavery, that that blues and that heartbreak turned into rejoice and high energy music, which Chuck Berry, Bo did and little Richard perfected, obviously. And the energy of their music was so contagious. Who could possibly escape that? And so being in Detroit with Motown and Mitch Ryder, the Detroit wheels and all those great, great musical forces. Um, I just wanted to play it instead of just listening to it. I wanted to try to create my own musical adventure. And so I started playing when I was about six or seven years old, had a lot of bands in Detroit then I uh, created the Amboy Dukes, 
And then I did the damn Yankees thing, and I had the Ted Nugent solo band that's alive and well today. I'm going to be doing my 6,770th concert tomorrow in Austin, Texas. And so I went back and counted all the sock hops and pool parties and different, you know, early day gigs. And I'm I'm 75 this year, Rich, but the music makes me do it, man. I love that music. So... Was there a moment where you said, man, this thing is taking off like I'm it, I'm, I'm big time? Or is the gig you're playing tomorrow the same as that first pool party gig that you played uh, and it's just one after the other? You know, it's, it's miraculous and rather gravity defined, but that's an affirmative. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> like I said, I'm 75, but I'll be, I'll be 75 years clean and sober this year. And so all this stuff still works pretty good because I was smart enough or lucky enough to avoid the so-called joke of peer pressure. And I realized that as a bow hunter, I was raised in a bow hunting family. And if you're going to kill a deer with a bow and arrow, you can't be drunk or stoned. I promise you that. And so you really got to be tuned into your cause and effect, the world around you. And then as that bow and arrow went into the guitar, again, at a very early age, I realized that if I really wanted to play with that soulfulness of Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and the energy of Little Richard, and then, of course, the Ventures and Dwayne Eddy and Lonnie Mack, if I wanted to try to reproduce those genius guitar moves, I really had to pay attention. And you can't pay attention when you're drunk or stoned. Now, Keith Richards blows that theory out of the water, (laughs) but but I, I decided early on that I would put my heart and soul into communicating ultimately with the great Detroit musicians around me. And yes, I can't wait to whip out that Gibson Birdland guitar. I have the most amazing musicians at my side for the last 65 years. I keep in touch with my original drummers from Detroit, 1959. I was on the phone with the Amboy Dukes first rhythm guitar player, Gary Hicks. That was 55 years ago. So yeah, I'm an old man, but boy, I sure still love to rock, man. You know, you know, Ted Nugent, I hear this, and what stands out to me, given that, you know, I comment on the culture and politics and all that stuff, is, you know, I ask you how you get into this business, and you start to, to, to name a bunch of amazing musicians, most of which were black, and and I think to myself, look at that, you know, 60 years ago, there's there's blacks in music, there's this influence that's there, there's this synergy that, you know, clearly there's, you know, it's a symbiotic thing where you're you're jamming, you're making music. And yeah. and that was 60 years ago. And today it seems like we have a bigger racial and cultural divide than we've ever had in this country. As somebody who's been around as long as you have, how does that make you feel? You know, you're right. And that's a real sad commentary of what our uh, failed and corrupt criminal government has done to us. Barack Obama, unfortunately, mm-hmm. could have changed all that for the better, but he changed it for the worst. And he started spotlighting color of skin instead of content of character. And then the Democrat mm-hmm. Party just ran with it and really racially divided us. But I got to tell you, I hang out. My I got black musicians and Hispanic musicians and Asian musicians, and there's nothing but a love fest. And at all my concerts and all my different sporting realities, and I, I guide and outfit hunters every year. And we have people from every imaginable walk of life and color and creed and ethnicity and religion and gender. <laughs> and and I, I don't know anything about why people would want to divide us. I don't see any division in my family, my friends, my bandmates, my crew, my, my hunting buddies, my fellow ranchers, my neighbors, my my barbecue buddies, nobody gives a 
damn about color of skin or ethnicity or religion. We just want to know about honesty, integrity, work ethic, and we enjoy cockiness as well. But it really is a sad commentary that all those years I jammed with B.B. King, I played bass for Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley. I got to play with the Motown Funk Brothers, Rich, and there was nothing but love for the universal communication of music. And that's still alive and well today outside the Democrat Party. Folks, we're on with Ted Nugent. Uh, If you don't know him, you should. Check him out at tednugent.com. We're going to wrap up with him straight ahead. He's going to tell us about the uh, Ted Nugent Spirit Campfire podcast, which streams on Fridays. And uh, that's right now, Fridays at 10 p.m. Eastern. That's that's against me. You're in my time slot, Ted. That's all right. I still got love for you. Anyway, we're going to talk about that and a little bit more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And uh, we're on with our guest, Ted Nugent. He is from an era where girls were girls and men were men. Yep, that actually was once a time. (laughs) Ted Nugent, tell us about your podcast. Well, I'm a truth, logic, and common sense addict. You know, that's kryptonite to the left. It drives Democrats crazy. I consider the Democrats the Michael Moore fan club. And just the fact that I can bring much pain and anguish into their lives makes me very, very happy. Um, again, I, I genuflect at the altar of truth, logic, and common sense. And it's, it's alive and well, self-evident truth, not hunches, not presumptions. The evidence that has been garnered throughout history of what is good over evil, goodwill and decency, positive energy, positive spirit, uh, honesty, uh, and once again, when you study real world conditions and, 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 and absorb and observe the energy of the evidence that is ubiquitous, um, you connect with a lot of people. So I've always been a hell raiser. I really believe, Rich, that the founding fathers wanted every American to be just like me, to be suspicious <laughs> of authority, to be a uh-huh. critical thinker, to not be afraid to spotlight cockroaches and stomp on them, and to just be honest and unafraid when it comes to God, family, country, constitution, Bill of Rights, Ten Commandments, Golden Rule, the Declaration of Independence, the man in the arena, work ethic, law and order, and that here we are with this monster, this creep in the White House and his entire Democrat Party, where we actually listen to people argue that they can't tell you what a woman is and that a man can get pregnant and that an open border is a good idea, and that you can mutilate little boys and girls who, like all boys and girls, are confused in their early ages, and you can literally mutilate their bodies uh, because of some strange satanic cult. So these are treacherous times, but once again, I maximize the positive, and there's a lot of positive out there, but you have to attack the bad and the ugly and the hate and the dishonesty to maximize the good over the bad and the ugly. And that's what I do on my spirit campfire. It's on real America's voice. And I also have a nightly nuge that's on YouTube and a bunch of other social media get downs where I, I talk about current issues 
and like the things that you talk about, and I bring truth, logic, and common sense to the table. That's fantastic. Folks, check out everything that Ted Nugent is doing. In addition to the amazing music, uh, he's got some really great takes on things. And uh, The Hunting Show, which is the Ted Nugent Spirit of the Wild TV show, as well as the Ted Nugent Spirit Campfire podcast stream, which is on Real America's Voice and on Faith and Freedom with uh, Shemaine Nugent. And you can check that out on Sundays at 10 a.m. Eastern as well. Uh, Ted Nugent, outstanding work. Um, where do we go from here? You know, I, we, we've got Biden saying he's running again, doesn't know where he's going. He's shaking hands with the air, then with the Easter Bunny. Um, d- do you think that he actually makes it through the next election cycle? Well, I hope not. Um, he's a bad man. He's a dishonest man. He violates his sacred oath to the Constitution every few minutes. His whole family, his son Hunter, is a scourge on this country and on mankind. Here's the real bottom line, Rich, and worse than communism, worse than the Biden family, worse than MS-13, worse than communism, worse than liberalism, worse than the Democrats, apathy. When Mm. good people stand on the sidelines and watch this treachery metastasize, and all they do is squawk and complain, we have to get back where one living American citizen gets one vote counted each have a fair election to demand truth, logic, and common sense and constitutional accountability at every level of our local government and take this country back from this horrific criminal deep state that Donald Trump exposed and turned around. And I really believe we got to get Donald Trump back into the White House because everything he did, except for the bump stock ban and listening to Fauci for too long, but Donald (laughs) Trump made America stronger, safer, more productive, more independent, and greater every day of his administration, and that's that's the answer. Amen to that. Ted Nugent, I want to thank you for being with us tonight. Thanks for your time. Good luck with the rally tomorrow, and uh, I just want to encourage everybody to check out everything Ted Nugent's doing at tednugent.com. Ted, you're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot, sir. Thank you. Back at you, Rich. God bless Real American. God bless you for standing up, man. Amen. Thank you. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more. Plus, we're going to talk about Hunter Biden, how he's hiding out at the White House, trying to uh, pretend he's a starving artist, can't afford to sell his paintings for for more than 75K or 100K to avoid uh, child support. Uh, This is uh, being reported by the New York Post. We'll get into that as well. And then we're going to talk about the economy a little bit and the rest of the Biden. uh, Well, we'll call it the Biden blank show. Right. (laughs) Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. This is America. This is Night. This is Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. So I want to get into a bunch of things Biden, right? Uh, Because we've got a bunch of issues. The the Biden administration, President Biden, refusing to acknowledge um, Hunter Biden's out-of-wedlock daughter. Um, This is the newest one. And you've got Hunter um, posing as a starving artist. And this is the one that gets me where, I mean, this guy... 
All we do is hear about how he made a million here, three million there, a billion dollars here. There's nothing but money flowing through um, Hunter Biden's coffers. Yet he says he's a, a, a starving artist. Well, let's let's get to the the bottom line of this here, right? So the first son, Hunter Biden, is role playing as a starving artist to duck his child support payments. This is according to the New York Post when he's actually living lavishly with access to $850 per hour attorneys, according to a scathing court filing by the mother of his uh, latest child, newest child, youngest child. Clinton Lancaster, an attorney for London Roberts, ripped the 53-year-old hunter in a 12-page discovery motion filed Thursday in Independence County, Arkansas, where the scandal scarred first son was uh, first ordered to appear. Yeah. And I've been hearing this story for quite a while and it keeps going. So now the, the um, younger Biden Hunter claims to be nothing more than a Yale educated attorney and artist who's somewhat financially destitute and needs his child uh, support adjusted. However, for an artist living on meager means, Hunter Biden is living lavishly. He travels the world in the safest and most comfortable airplane in existence, Air Force One. Uh, he's also had some of the most expensive attorneys on the planet. Lancaster asked the court to force Hunter to reveal how much he's paying these four attorneys and who actually is paying the bill for those attorneys. Among them are longtime Democrat fixer uh, Abe Lowell, who... Um, or Abby Lowell, excuse me, who Lancaster noted in his motion charges a rate of $855 per billable hour and whose retention by the Biden uh, scion, as they refer to him in the article, was indicative of the defendant's influence, prestige, and importance. I think they're giving him a little bit too much credit. Oh, what a cute little girl. I'm looking at the um, the the mother of the child and the the, the baby, London Roberts who uh, I believe they're trying to have her name be London Biden, but uh, that was being fought by Hunter. Adorable little girl, by the way. Anyway, um, Biden uh, says he's paid or received as a contribution for paying these elite, uh, elite attorneys and has a definitive and quantifiable value that goes directly to his income for child support purposes, uh, but Lancaster argues that the attorney-client privilege does not bar the payment uh, in to uh, discovery for their case. So they're going to continue to dig into this stuff. The first son asked the court back in September to reduce his child support payments, citing an alleged change in his financial situation. And uh, her attorney, Mr. Lancaster, scoffed at the notion, writing, the, def the defendant is characterized his need for a reduction in child support on his reduced income. However, voluntarily reducing your own income or hiding your assets is not a basis for reduction in child support. If Mr. Biden can afford a Washington, D.C., Hollywood, Chicago, and other uh, places where he can live, then these, um, these things clearly uh, make the way for him to pay his child support. Uh, based on the same reason. So that's the case with Hunter Biden, uh, who uh, is also reported to be hanging out in the White House because he's saying he's broke. Anyway, 
Straight ahead, we're going to talk about Hunter Biden, the economy, and more with our buddy Vance Ginn. You remember him from the White House Office of Management and Budget. Don't go anywhere. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? So we've got a couple of headlines I want to discuss very quickly. The First Republic Bank is uh, scheduled to be taken over by the um, FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Um, we've also got a poll that's out showing that a majority of Americans are concerned about gas prices, and they want Congress to focus on oil and gas drilling. Meanwhile, Biden's advisors... Um, are conceding that the president's age is a liability and has quote unquote diminished his energy. Well, look at, would you look at that? I think a lot of people have been saying that for a long time, man. And uh, there's also some discussion on Biden's new uh, mortgage redistribution plan, which uh, is going to burden one minority group more than other minority groups. So we'll talk about that as well, but uh, we've got a clip of audio that I want you to hear very quickly from Gene Sperling. He's uh, one of Biden's advisors. He was on CBS News yesterday. And he says that we're not going to negotiate on the debt limit because no one can say it's either my way or default. Listen to this. I think it gives him uh, uh, a better point to ask for serious budget discussions. It does not give him or really anyone the right to say that we want to have a discussion where it's either my way or we will put the United States in default for the first time in our history. And I can't, uh, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to understand that. Saying that you want to negotiate on raising the debt is a sanitized way of saying that you want to tell the entire country that if you do not get your your budget, your policy goals, you will put the United States in default for the first time in our history, history and potentially cause a serious recession. No one should do that. Let me be clear, not Democrat or Republican, not liberal or conservative. And since 2011, everyone has understood this. All right. Again, uh, that's uh, Sperling. He's the advisor uh, to Biden. And uh, my thinking on this is that we're not getting the entire story. I don't believe that, that Republicans are saying that we're going to you know, default the United States. I think they're, they're saying we're just not going to vote to increase the debt limit. And I think those are, are, are two opposite things. But I could be wrong, and that's why I want to bring in our economist friend, Vance Ginn. You know him from uh, Young Americans for Liberty. He's also the former associate director of the Office of Management and Budget, uh, director of economic policy, and he's uh, the president of Ginn Economic Consulting. Vance Ginn, welcome. Hey, it's a pleasure to be with you tonight. How are you doing? Yes, sir. Fantastic. So um, let's talk about the um, raising the debt limit and uh, your thoughts on that. 
Well, you know, there's a lot of back and forth right now. I'm, I'm glad to see that the House Republicans passed the bill um, that would raise, you know, the debt ceiling. It's an, an unfortunate, but that's something that ultimately they're going to end up doing. Uh, but the key part here is that they put spending back to 2022 levels. Um, so that's a good thing. It's another you know, a year ago, uh, fiscal year. They also put a 1% spending limit in over the next decade. So it's helped to slow the growth of spending because ultimately, right, we don't have a revenue problem. We have a spending problem. Um, right. There were also a lot of cuts to the IRS some of these tax credits for EVs and green energy agenda. Um, there's a lot of good things that I think are going on there to where, look, Republicans don't want it, the debt ceiling to be hit and they're eventually going to raise it as we don't want to default on the debt. But at the same time, this has got to be done in a prudent way, something that's responsible, which the which Biden and the Democrats haven't wanted to do. Right. And do you feel that that's the right way to characterize it? Uh, from the Biden administration to say that we're not going to allow them to hold us hostage and uh, claim that if we don't do it their way, that we're just going to have the country default. Uh, I feel like this is um, demagoguery at its worst. What say you? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I don't think that the Biden administration really have a plan. I mean, their plan has been this whole time for the last two plus years is just to spend spend more and spend again (laughs) and then raise taxes here and there at a time whenever we already have a very weak economy. Um, You know, the first quarter GDP numbers were out this week and showed only 1.1% growth. And if you look over Q4 2021 to Q4 2022, the growth rate was only 0.9%, which is the slowest economic growth in a year that wasn't in a recession in history on record, right? So this is not a good situation where you prop up the economy for a little while after the shutdown, thinking that we're going to return to some growth rate of hopefully three, four, five percent. That's really what we need right now. But this Keynesian view of economics that the Biden administration has tried just hasn't worked. It's been a complete failure. And, and all they know is to double down on it. They don't have a plan to deal with the debt ceiling because you can't tax your way out of it. Another thing that I I took from that is with the Biden administration trying to say that, you know, it's Republicans and their lack of wanting to raise the debt ceiling. uh, That's what's going to cause and trigger a a recession. And I'm thinking, I think we're headed towards a recession anyway. uh, It seems like they're just trying to spin it a certain way for damage control. Uh, Do you think that's accurate? I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, You know, whenever you look at you talked about First Republic earlier, um, I think that that's one of the other shoes that's dropping right now is a lot of these banking failures, whether it be the Silicon Valley Bank or the Signature Bank, now the First Republic Bank, and there's more that's coming. I mean, when you throw this much money into the economy with all the checks that they sent out, um, the unemployment plus-ups that they did over a couple of years, the Federal Reserve increasing their balance sheet, more than doubling their balance sheet, throwing a lot of money into the economy, uh, that led to a lot of credit and liquidity, and now that's starting to come out. You know, money supply is down 4% year over year, the first time in, in, in many, many decades. So we're looking at a situation where there is lack, you know, less liquidity, less um, credit that's out there. And the government, fortunately, from the House Republican side, is saying, look, we're going to stop this excessive spending that's going on. That's going to start to drain out some of that extra stuff that's happening in the economy to where I think we need to see a lot of the markets clear. And we're, we've been in this slow period of economic growth, and I think there will be a pretty severe recession later this year. Um, I Look, I've been one of those that said we've been in a recession for a while. <laughs> and, right. um, and I think that it's going to get even more severe given the situation that we're in now. And ultimately, with uh, First Republic going into this receivership, do you think that it uh, 
what ultimately happens um, once once that happens? What's the outcome of that? Do we expect more of those? Do we expect it to slow from here? What's your thought? I think there will be more of those. I mean, when you have depositors that have been pulling a lot of money out of banks um, over the last month, two months, you know, you're going to see this start to happen as you're not able to pay off your liabilities that are on the balance sheets of these banks. Um, and, you know, a lot of this had to do with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank failing. Um, whenever the FDIC, Treasury and the Fed got together and basically said, look, we're going to we're going to backstop stop all the depositors, whether it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which is insured by the FDIC um, or not, you know, much, much higher than that. When you're talking about Silicon Valley Bank, millions of dollars. Um, billions of dollars total, right? But millions of dollars for individual um, depositors. That, what that says is that we don't really have to care. The banks can take a lot more risk with these assets. And there's all this liquidity that's been on these balance sheets for a while. And what happened was, you know, is that the interest rates were, were going up, right? On these treasury securities, a lot of these banks held those thinking that they were risk-free assets, which a lot of people think that, but there's always a risk. Nothing is free. And that's what we've seen as interest rates have soared, prices have went down. And what that means is that it devalues the assets on these banks' balance sheets, which creates these shortages where they can't pay off their liabilities, meaning they can't pay off their depositors. So I think we've seen a few of these now, but there's many more that's going to happen across the economy as everything starts to clear out. And unfortunately, that's going to leave people in a, in a, a tough situation to, to pay their bills, for mortgages. And, and look, the housing market's already been kind of this boom period in a bubble, and that's also starting to, you know, start starting to slowly uh, let out the air of that bubble as well. All right, folks, we're on with Vance Ginn. Uh, he's a former associate director of the Office of Management and Budget, and um, he's with uh, Young Americans for Liberty now. Uh, Vance Ginn, I want you to stick with us. Uh, there's a poll out that says the majority of Americans are concerned about the price of gas and they want Congress to focus on oil and gas drilling. So I'd like to get your take on that and more as soon as we come back. Again, uh, if you want to join the conversation, our phone number 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. With Rich Valdez. Biden administration proposes a new rule introducing greater socialism into the housing market. The recently announced rule will force wealthier home buyers with good credit to pay more for their mortgage than people with less wealth and lower credit. The rule, which goes into effect May 1st, would increase mortgage rates by an estimated $40 a month for those with a 680 or higher credit score and $400,000 homes. The extra money will reportedly be used to subsidize those with lower credit ratings to, main, to obtain a mortgage. So this is the new Biden administration rule, and I want to get into the uh, energy topic as well. But Vance Ginn is our guest. Uh, Vance Ginn, you know him as a former associate director of OMB, and he's with Young Americans for Liberty as a senior fellow. Uh, Vance Ginn, I know we're, we're talking about this, um, this, this idea that the Biden folks have that I think they think is a good idea, 
that home buyers with good credit will pay more to subsidize riskier borrowers. And they believe it's going to have a disproportionate impact on Asian Americans who already are facing their own barriers to, to qualifying for lending. Uh, what's your initial thought on, on how this is going to affect Americans economically speaking? You know, this is another situation where they're taking a page out of past decades that didn't work out very well. <laughs> we saw what happened, you know, during the late nineties and then going into two thousands with the housing market boom, um, and then the eventual bust with the no income checks and other things that were going on, kind of the everybody oh, get yeah. a mortgage, right? Just sign up. And and now we're getting a situation where they want to raise the cost <laughs> for those who have a higher credit score that have been paying their bills on time and all that stuff. And then lower the cost of getting a mortgage for those who haven't been paying their bills on time, have lower credit scores. And so it's a, it's a redistribution mechanism from, from those with lower credit scores and everything to those, uh, sorry, from highest credit scores to low income credit scores. And then this is not the situation we should have. And I'm, unfortunately, this is going to create more risk because those with low credit scores, which already indicate that they have a higher risk, right, um, are going to take on more mortgages. And when their interest rates go up or they can't afford the mortgage payments, they're going to lose their home, which is going to put a not only um, a, a burden on that family, but also a burden on the housing market and affect many other people across the country. So this is another one of the redistribution mechanisms that they that they're trying to use from the Biden administration. It's another form of their socialism so that we breed mediocrity in the process and create distortions that are going to make larger problems, not only for those families, like I said, but really for the overall economy. So I think this is a, a terrible direction um, that, that, that are, they're going. And it's not done by Congress, right? They're doing this by, by rule, by, by fiat from the executive mm -hmm. branch. This is not how our country should be, should be running. Yeah, I agree. Now, earlier I mentioned to you about this poll that a majority of Americans are concerned about the price of gas and they want lawmakers to focus on oil and gas drilling, uh, you know, our own um, energy production. Um, in the few minutes that we have left, let's let's talk about uh, how this plays out. And again, I know that we we I'm, many of us, at least, you know, I think uh, folks that um, are, are pro energy independence in our country have been critical of Biden and his administration and his policies. Uh, but now it seems like the electorate at large, at least according to, to this Rasmussen report, uh, it's a national poll that they ran. 80% of likely voters in the United States are concerned about the cost of gasoline, which includes 54% who said they were very concerned. Um, do you think that the administration can continue this policy of, of hijacking energy? Man, it is really just something else, the direction that they've taken the country uh, when they're paying tax credits for electric vehicles, <laughs> um, saying that we're going to be off of fuel combustion vehicles in the next decade. You have California that's doing the same thing uh, because of these progressive policies. And it's all based on, you know, this, this flawed climate crisis that that's going on. And, and so they're trying to take us down this direction by government planning. And, and that doesn't work. And people are starting to realize, you know what? This may have sounded good in theory, but I don't like paying three plus dollars for gasoline, four dollars gasoline all the time. Right. We didn't have that during the, the you know, President Trump's administration. And, and we were getting to a situation where we were energy independent, meaning that we were actually exporting oil and gas to other countries and, and quite a right. bit of it at the time. Um, that's the sort of situation where people 
feel, you know, that they're, they're increasing their wages. Um, they don't have so much inflation. You know, I think this, in, this inflationary pressure is also weighing on a lot of people. Um, I've got a piece coming out soon that talks about this, this American – they just feel pessimistic right now. And a big reason for that, according to a CNBC poll, 70% of them said it's because of inflation. Well, a big part of that inflation is how much money it's costing to put gas in the tank. And, 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 you know, and that adds up into our food prices. And so it's just one thing after another hurting families, and, and they're kind of like, okay, what's next? And, and what we really need to look at instead is how do we get, drill more oil here? How do we make sure we do it cleaner? Because we're going to do it a lot more cleaner than any other country. So why are we importing other types of energy? Um, and stop pushing us towards electric vehicles or something else. Let's let the market, let's let people, that's what really what free markets are, right, or free people. Let's sure. let them decide instead of government people, you know, governments and, and politicians out of D.C., yeah. Listen, I, I've always uh, believed the free market is the ultimate sign of liberty. You get to do what mm-hmm. you want to do. And uh, I want you to tell everybody um, uh, quickly about the the program that you host, Let the People Prosper Show. Yes, yes. I have the Let People Prosper Show. It's on all the major platforms out there, YouTube and Apple and others. Uh, but basically, I have you know top experts on. Uh, it's a weekly program, and we talk about key issues that are happening um, across the country, whether it be about monetary policy, fiscal policy, um, the banking crisis that's going on, um, just a lot of different areas, the state and national level. And I also have another program that's part of that is, the, is this week's economy, where every week, um, every Friday morning, I release saying, hey, here's what's been going on in the economy, and have a good discussion about not only economic situation, but from a free market perspective that too often we don't get out of a lot of economists these days. Outstanding. Now, if people want to um, you know, check those out. And obviously they can hear you when you're on our program, but if they want to go directly to your program, how do they find your program? So my program, one, one great way is on, on Twitter advance again, um, where I have a link that, that has all these platforms on there. Um, also have a Substack, advancegain.substack.com where you can sign up and get a weekly, get the emails um, whenever I have these programs go out um, or YouTube or any others. So, um, it's pretty easy. Got it. And again, the main website is vancegin.com. Is that right? Correct. That's right. All right. And that's V-A-N-C-E-G-I-N-N.com, vancegin, with two N's, dot com. Vance, let everybody know your social media handles in case they want to follow you on social media. Yep. So vancegin, V-A-N-C-E-G-I-N-N, so at vancegin.com. On, on Twitter. Um, that's the best place to find me. I'm always tweeting about the latest and greatest information that's going on and making sure that we're doing it truthful because we need more facts out there. Amen to that. Well, Vance, thanks for being with us. I hope you'll come back again soon. There's plenty to discuss. Let's do it. I love it. Uh, keep up the great work. Yes, sir. You bet. All right, folks, there is more to come straight ahead. We're going to talk about some new films that are coming out, plus your calls, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ. America. Welcome back. Rich Valdez. Again, uh, you're welcome to join the national conversation here. 833-482-5337-833, the number four, and my last name, Valdez, and that is Valdez with an S at the end. And I want to talk about 
uh, film that's out, and it's um, Will You Go to Hell for Me is the title. Uh, it's a startling new documentary from Vince Everett Ellison. Uh, he's a filmmaker, and the 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 topic of it is fascinating and, and kind of how it started, right? And there's a quote that I'm reading here. It says, it started from a trip my daughter and I stopped at a McDonald's and a woman who was going to a pro-abortion march asked my daughter to join her because she saw that she was black and thought that she was a liberal Democrat. That's Vince Everett Ellison recalling um, from that story and saying that uh, his daughter very nicely said, "Uh, ma'am, I'm a Christian and I vote my values. And uh, I think that that in and of itself is quite a story. But uh, we're going to hear about the film with the filmmaker, Vince Everett Ellison. Welcome to the program, sir. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You bet. Let's talk about Will You Go to Hell for Me? And if you don't mind, tell me, um, how did you come up with the name? Well, it's the question that the Democrat Party now is asking all Christians, based on the fact that the, um, the Democrat Party now is a party that... Uh, part of murder because it wants to abort children up to the ninth month and use federal funds to do it. It's a party of uh, sexual grooming children. It's the uh, party that wants to castrate little boys and call them little girls, cut off the breasts of little girls and call them little boys, bring drag queens into the public school system, have them shake their behinds in children's faces, you know, trapping children in failing schools knowing that they won't be educated, letting fentanyl come across the border, uh, sex trafficking. Uh, this party is not an evil institution, just like it was during the time of slavery. You know, they told the American people it was all right to, to get to rape, rape and mutilate and kill their slaves, and they were less than human because they had some, because, because they were black, same as they were during the uh, Confederacy when they killed close to one million Americans trying to keep their slaves and start their own country. The same as they were during the Jim Crow era when they for a hundred years, uh, uh, wouldn't let black people vote, uh, shot them, killed them, hung them from trees, you name it, they did it. It's always been an evil institution. And to vote for this party, to tell a Christian to vote for them, they're asking that question, that Christian to go to hell for them. Because to vote for this party in the capacity that they're in now, will send your soul to hell. It's just that plain and simple. And I want Christians to know this because I'm a Christian. Yeah, the Democrats have set a trap. Well, they have continually set traps for Christians, and they've destroyed the lives of them. Look at the black community now. Uh, look at Chicago, Memphis, Detroit. How are these people living? Like animals. In, uh, 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 fighting, killing, drugs, men going to jail, family breakdown, terrible schools, you name it. And the Democrats are proud of it. It's not like they're ashamed of it. not like they're trying to change it. They're proud of it. And they want to do the same thing to all of America. So this is why I call this documentary, Will You Go to Hell For Me? And you can go to willyougotohellforme.com, download the trailer. I debuted it on Tucker Carlson before he left Fox. Tucker said the best trailer you've ever seen. Sean Hannity said the same thing. And when you read the, read the reviews off of the website, you have people saying it's the best documentary they've ever seen. Some say it's the best movie they've ever seen. I have information in this thing that will blow your mind. Go to the website. Check it out. You'll never forget it. All right, folks, we're on with Vince Everett Ellison. He's the filmmaker of Will You Go to Hell for Me? 
and uh, fascinating. I mean, this is definitely uh, startling. You're tack- tackling so many stories, so many uh, extraordinary um, situations that the country's going through uh, from your perspective as a black filmmaker. Now, have you always been a filmmaker? What uh, did Is this the first film? Is this um, part of a, a greater work that you're doing? Tell us about yourself. Well, I was born on a cotton plantation in Haywood County, Tennessee. My father was a sharecropper, and he brought us out of poverty through hard work, and he aspired. And he got involved in the insurance industry and brought us out of poverty, and I went to college, and after I left college, I started working in a prison in the 1990s as a correctional officer. And it was there that uh, I saw these young black men being locked up. You know, I thought we had overcome. Uh, but when I saw these black men, black men being locked up with the Clinton-Biden crime bill, I asked the black intelligentsia, so then why, what's going on here? Why are these young men being locked up in such astronomical numbers? And of course, they gave me the same old refrain. They said, well, it's these evil, rich, white Republicans, you know, conservatives, they hate black people. And I, being naive, I said, well, really? So I designed my post, started a nonprofit, went down into the black community and in the ghettos, and I saw something pretty interesting. I saw those evil, rich, white Republicans anywhere. Uh, you <laughs> right. see a, you, Nowhere to be found, you huh? see, Yeah, you see, a, you see a unicorn or a leprechaun before you saw one. But what I did see was a lot of black Democrats down there. And they were making money out of the chaos. And the ones who were making the most money were these three entities. Uh, the black preacher, the black civic organizer, the black civil rights organizer, and a black politician. I call this crew the Iron Triangle. I wrote a mm. book about it. It's called the Iron Triangle. How 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 Democrats use race to uh, to uh, uh, to to uh, destroy America, uh, and how they try to divide Christians, and I, that's my first book. It was self-published. Now understand this: they said that the, that the the usual self-published book only sells about three hundred copies in its lifetime. Lifetime, the Iron Triangle to this day has sold close to one hundred thousand copies. Self-published. Outstanding. That got Simon and Schuster to call me. And so I wrote my second book. It was called 25 Lies. Uh, 25 of the Democratic Party's most, uh, uh, most, 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 most uh, subtle and, and seductive lies and how we can refute them. That one hit number one. And it's been perpetually along with the Iron Triangle in the top 10. So now, and uh, the highest it got was, it's been number one in its genre, but it's got to number 21 in the world. And um, so... Uh, those books did very well, and now I decided to do this this documentary, and it, uh, it 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 basically encapsulizes everything that those two books talk about. But I have a third book coming out in October. It's called mm-hmm. Crime Inc. It's called How the Democrat Party Uses Mafia Tactics, Mafia and Gangster Tactics to Maintain and Gain Power. So, uh, but but my documentary now is called uh, We Go to Hell for Me. And really, I'm concerned uh, uh, right now about the Christian community and the fact that the Democratic Party cannot sustain itself without the Christian vote, especially the black Christian vote. And I needed to explain to America how we got here. So I go deep into the history of this, and I do some controversial things. I, I slay a lot of sacred cows here. And, and, and one of the main sacred cows I take on is the Civil Rights Movement and, and, and Martin Luther King Jr., and I, and I talk about how uh, the Marxists infiltrated the civil rights movement after some of the Montgomery bus boycotts, Stanley Levinson, Bayard Rustin, 
and how they uh, the, and through FBI files and through uh, writings from his best friend Ralph 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 Abernathy and John Kennedy and, and, and Bobby Kennedy, I, I I I put together facts that show the King was more like Rasputin than he was like Jesus Christ. He was apostate. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was excommunicated from the black church in 1961 because he was trying to bring this Marxism into the black church and he tried to take over take over the National Baptist Convention. They had him excommunicated. So King started his own religion. Now this is before 1963, and his religion was called the Progressive National Baptist Convention. That's the sect that Raphael Warnock belongs to. Yeah, King was kicked out of the black church. A lot of people don't know that that the, he wow. helped Margaret Sanger. Uh, and Planned Parenthood sell abortion clinics in the black community. And this is why he was the first recipient of the Margaret Sanger Award in 1966. Yeah, Martin Luther King was. Wow. And, uh, and when I listen to his I Have a Dream speech, that speech that everybody says one of the greatest speeches in the history of the world, it's communist propaganda. Let me give you an example. He said in that speech, and uh, 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 it was looping at the Lorraine Motel when I went there, and I heard him say something that I had heard a thousand times, but this time I heard it differently. He said, 100 years after the Emancipation Proclamation, the Negro is still not free. That is a lie. I was born free. My freedom was given me by God. It is irrevocable, non-transferable, and unsellable. That's the one concept that makes you an American. That's it. We told King George our freedom was unalienable. With the right to right, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They were unable rights given us by God. King told us it was given us by government. It told us that we needed to come to Washington to ask for our freedom. He said five times in that speech that we were not free. And at the end, he said, on some certain day, we'll be free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we're free at last. No, I was born free. As a Christian, Jesus Christ said, I have set you free. You're no longer oppressed. And he who the son has freed is free indeed. So he told, mm-hmm. he put the white man and the United States government over God and told us that we should be seeking man's approval. He said it again when he said he had a dream that one day his little children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Number one, you will be judged by the content of your character. It is inescapable and unavoidable. And number two, I as a Christian man should not be at all concerned about how I'm viewed by another man. Jesus Christ said you shouldn't be concerned about man. Did he not? He said, be concerned yeah. about how God views you. He said, love him. Love him. That's, you can't, I can't be concerned about how you feel about me. My job is to love you. But he also said, King lied when he said that Christianity was a religion of nonviolence. It is not. But before you it move on, Vince Everett Ellison, let me just remit, remind everybody that we're on with you. We're going to take a quick pause, and you could get back to that third lie from King. Folks, we're on with Vince Everett Ellison. Uh, he's uh, an author as well as a filmmaker for Will You Go to Hell for Me? Enthralling conversation. Uh, I wish I didn't have to take a break right here, but we're going to take it. We're coming right back to Vince Everett Ellison. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 
833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDES. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back. We're on with the author of Iron Triangle and the uh, documentarian for the new film, Will You Go to Hell for Me? Vince Everett Ellison is our guest. And uh, Vince, you were telling us before the break, you'd mentioned uh, two uh, two lies that uh, you're, you uh, illustrated from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King that I was unaware of, and you were about to explain a third point. Go right ahead. Yes. Um, the third point is he said that Christianity was a religion of nonviolence. And he told black people to lay down and let themselves be beaten and water hosed and bit by dogs. Um, no, Christianity is not a religion of nonviolence. It is a religion of non-aggression. Let me explain. There's no virtue in you and I walking down the street just seeing a three-year-old girl getting raped, raped and accosted and saying, well, since we're two Christian men, we can't do nothing. No, right. we're going to go grab the guy, whoop him till he stops fighting, hold him for the police, turn him over, and then go to his trial and testify so it doesn't hurt anybody else. No virtue in you sitting at home and allowing some criminal to come in your house and rape your wife and hurt your children and steal your property while you're there with a, with a gun and say, well, since I'm a Christian man, I can't do anything. No, you're going to defend your property. You're going to send, defend your family. You're going to defend yourself. That's what we do. Christianity is a religion of non-aggression, which means if you don't bother me, I don't bother you. Jesus went into the temple after he told the guys, don't be in my, my, my father's house uh, uh, changing money. He came back and called them there. He got some corn, whooped them, and ran them out. See, I can whoop your behind and still love you. My daddy did it to me a lot, and I've done it to my children a lot. <laughs> That's the truth. That's how you write, spare the rod, spoil the child. Of course. I don't, I, don't, I don't have to hate you if I use violence on you. I, but for, but I don't, I, I'm not supposed to do Samaritan. I'm not supposed to place judgment on you and say, I find you guilty of a crime and then blow your brains out. No, that's not what right. I do. But I am supposed to defend myself. And when you stop trying to harm me, I stop trying to harm you. So a lot of black men left Christianity because they believed this lie. It was a religion of nonviolence. They turned to the nation of Islam. They turned to they turned to the Hebrew Israelites. A lot of them just became atheists because they say, I'm not going to live my life getting beat up by these people. So King did this to us, and he did a disservice to us by telling us we weren't free, giving us his false religion, and then bringing all of these Marxists and atheists into our church that's only using the black preacher now as a conduit for the Democrat Party, an evil institution. So they got souls to the polls where black preachers put their congregations in the buses uh, the Sunday before the Tuesday of the election, and they get paid for everyone that votes for the Democrat Party. He turned the black community over to the Democrat Party, put us back on the plantation, and we made more progress 100 years after slavery than we have in the past 50 years. It's amazing that we mm. have gone back so far. So what did King yeah. do? He destroyed the black church, destroyed the black family, destroyed the black educational system, destroyed the black economy, five times more men in prison, more crime, dope, you name it, yet he celebrated. Why? Because he got 
the black community to vote for the Democratic Party. And as long as they get 90% of the black vote, he keeps his monument. And these black pre- preachers keep their money. And the black, black politicians keep their jobs. And the black civic organizers keep their contributions. And black people stay on the cotton field, on the plantation, for the Democrat Party. And they want to make the whole nation a cotton field for them. They've always been that way. And they're not going to change unless we make them. Now, Vince Ellison, uh, I have one follow-up question for you, but we got to take a quick pause. So hold that thought. We're coming right back with Vince Everett Ellison. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're on with Vince Everett Ellison. He's an author and the filmmaker for Will You Go to Hell for Me? Vince Everett Ellison, uh, we, we have about two minutes to go, and I want you to take a minute just as a follow-up because I know you made a lot of um, uh, interesting points, and I'm sure that there are folks out there saying, wow, I didn't know a lot of that. Um, very interesting, but I'm sure there's others that are critical that are saying, you know, is it entirely fair to put the onus for all of these failures on the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. How do you respond to that? Well, uh, he, he started it. That's where we go with it. And that um, we have to now understand that we have to go and we have to change it. As long as we believe that there was virtue in what they've done, we won't change it. As long as we walk around celebrating and marching and saying that this was great, this was great, but you look at the condition of the people. What did Jesus tell us when his disciples asked him, how will you know a false prophet? He said, you know them by the fruit they bear. Mm. He said, you will not get good fruit from a rotten tree, tree or get bad fruit from a good tree. Each fruit and each tree will be after his own. Not what they say, not but what they do, but what they produce. Now look at the black community and tell me, with the riots and the crime and the dope and the family breakdown and all of this, if the, if the inner city black community is bad, then the tree that it came from is bad. And the tree is Martin Luther King Jr. because they're the ones that celebrate. We did what he told us to do. Before, uh, uh, between 1940 and 1960, before the Civil Rights School, we dropped, we cut our poverty rate in the black community from 80% to 30% in one generation. The greatest reduction, Thomas mm-hmm. Towles Sowell said, in the history of the world. And now, and since then, we flatlined. Why? Because King told us we were, we were, we were victims. We were hated. I'm an heir of Jesus Christ. I'm a son Amen. of God. I cannot be a victim, and I cannot be oppressed. And so, I want your people to go to willyougotohealthme.com. Buy this documentary. You will save the lives of these liberals or these these black people that believe that voting for the Democratic Party is just like going to the mailbox. No, you are putting your soul in jeopardy. These people set a trap for you. You will go to hell voting for this party that commits murder. Folks, the documentary is Will You Go to Hell for Me? Check out the website, willyougotohellforme.com. Vince Everett Ellison, enlightening conversation. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. You bet. Take care. God bless. Good luck with with the film. All right, folks, Open Phone America is coming up next. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ.
live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, and that is Valdez with an S on all of the social media. You can uh, chime in on our website, richvaldezamericaatnight.com. If you want to check out any of the interviews you may have missed, you could hear everything there. You could stream the show live there as well and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to join our conversation, the phone lines are open. It is the Friday edition of Open Phone America. We're live, we're national, and you're invited to join this conversation, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Now, we talked about a number of things tonight. We've uh, had some really good discussion, I think uh, amazing guests, a uh, very, very, um, in my opinion, interesting conversation uh, with um, several people, not the least of which is Ted Nugent, who uh, was uh, promoting his rally tomorrow, but really interesting conversation on on how he got into music and it was a bunch of uh, black musicians that he started playing with. And it opened my eyes to realize, wow, isn't it fascinating how, you know, Ted Nugent's entire career of 60 years as a rock and roll guitarist was started with African-Americans, black musicians that were celebrating, you know, the, the, the end of, of their persecution. And, here we are today promoting this persecution <laughs> that, you know, was once celebrated when it, when they believed that they'd gone away from it. And it just is eye opening to see how people will embrace ideas that are counterproductive, counterintuitive, and really countercultural to, to the, the ideals that I think so many of us as Americans espouse, but it's, it, it doesn't come as a surprise that there are people that have these uh, antithetical notions, but it, it does come as a disappointment that they do, right? And and I just wanted to, to touch on that a little bit because there's these crazies that I don't like to talk about too much from the World Economic Forum, um, Klaus Schwab and, and his uh, evil henchman, Yuval Harari, Yuval Noah Harari, a professor and um, theoretician and whatever you want to call him. You know, he's he gets a lot of airtime in a lot of places. And I don't pay too much attention to him because, well, I just don't agree with what they say. And, uh, you know, every now and again, I'll listen to what they have to say and think, you know, these guys are out of their mind. But then I say, you know what? You got to pay attention to these guys because people are paying attention to them. And if people are listening to what they have to say, they might actually take them seriously and and have that discussion. So part of what I want to talk about this evening in the, in the remaining hour that we have, along with your calls at 833-4-VALDEZ, is this, um, this idea about artificial intelligence. And Professor Harari, Yuval Harari from the World Economic Forum, he's the little bald guy that is, uh, like I said, the evil henchman to, to uh, Klaus Schwab. He's, uh, he's written an article, several, he's, uh, he's in, in New York Times and others, but I'm looking at the one that's in Time magazine, time.com. 
under the guise of ideas and identity. And he lays out a number of things. But one of the things that he lays out that I want to focus on in this conversation on quests for identity is how artificial intelligence plays a role and how it could help people discover their identity. Yeah, that's right. AI, how an algorithm, how a website, how an app can tell you who you identify as, even in so intimate as something like your gender or sexual orientation. And if you don't believe me, I have a little bit of audio from uh, Yuval Harari speaking at one of the World Economic Forum events discussing how AI can help come to this realization. Listen to this. As you surf the internet, as you watch videos or check your social feed, the algorithms will be monitoring. The algorithm tracks your eye movements, your blood pressure, your brain activity, and tells you who you are. Now imagine the situation in 10 or 20 years when an algorithm can tell any teenager exactly where he or she is on the gay-straight spectrum. So now, you heard that right. I didn't make it up. He said that. He's saying that, you know, they're going to track your eyeballs. They're going to track the way you do this, that, and the other thing. And they're going to, because of their tracking, they're going to figure out where you are on the gay-straight spectrum. Now, uh, he's already made this this presumption that it's not a, a, a binary thing, that there's a spectrum. And again, I'm not arguing that there is or isn't. Uh, I, I my, my argument here is that I don't need an app to tell me these things. I think I could figure those things out myself, right? And I think most people can. You just let people get to puberty and they will figure out what it is that they like. It's not that hard. Attraction is a real thing. I don't need an app for that. Imagine that. Imagine raising a generation of children where the notion is that I we're going to get you to this point, this age of accountability, which they would seems like do at 10 years old, right? Say, all right, now that you're 10, you can now use the, the, you know, find my gender app and figure out where you are on this spectrum of things. This is absolute insanity to me, but people like that. And uh, I'm going to leave you with this thought from uh, Yuval Harari, historian, philosopher, best-selling author of, listen to this, Sapiens, Homo, Deus, and 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. That's his book. And he says, all humans ask themselves who they are, where they come from, and what is their identity. This quest for identity is important and fascinating, but it can also be dangerous. In attempting to define a clear identity for myself, I might close myself off to the world. I might conclude that my identity is defined by my belonging to a single group of people, emphasizing those parts in me that connect me to that chosen group and ignoring all my other parts. That's his opening uh, statement there. And he goes on to say that humans or people are incredibly complex beings. If we focus on just one part of our identity and imagine that it alone matters, we cannot understand who we really are. For example, and then he talks about him being a Jew, and it's obvious that his Jewish history and Jewish culture are important to his identity. But to understand who he is, 
the Jewish story is far from sufficient. He says he's made of many pieces that come from all over the world. Now, while this sounds flowery and maybe draws you in to say, yeah, well, that's not so crazy. I think it's just nonsensical in many ways. Uh, first of all, I don't think all humans ask themselves who they are. I mean, maybe at some point in your existence you might, but I don't wake up ever, ever. I can't remember, I literally can't remember waking up going, who am I? Where did I come from? I might have had that, you know, when I was six years old, maybe ask my parents or something like that, but I I, I don't have that type of uh, of inquisitiveness or insecurity about my identity or my origin, right? I don't have this quest for identity that he says is important, fascinating, and also dangerous. So I'm wondering if you do, and uh, do you think that we should use an app to decide our whatever? Uh, give me a call, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ. We're talking about identities, the impact of artificial intelligence and everything else that's under the sun tonight, your calls and more. 833-4-VALDEZ. We'll be right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. And he's breaking it down. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. As you surf the internet, as you watch videos or check your social feed, the algorithms will be monitoring. The algorithm tracks your eye movements, your blood pressure, your brain activity, and tells you who you are. Now imagine the situation in 10 or 20 years when an algorithm can tell any teenager exactly where he or she is on the gay-straight spectrum. So that's uh, Professor Yuval Harari. Again, we just played that clip. I wanted to remind you of what he said and how people can decide where they are on the gay-straight spectrum by using artificial intelligence, by using an app, by using an algorithm that tracks your eyeballs, not by using your brain or figuring out what it is that you like in life. Anyway, uh, it reminds me of a story that um, our producer pointed out, Mr. Hinton, that a man in Quebec, Canada, who created a synthetic AI-generated child pornography uh, film or whatever, uh, was sentenced to prison for creating child porn with AI. The judge calls the use of deepfake technology to create these images chilling. Uh, And this is uh, very, very sick stuff. But a man in Quebec was sentenced to more than three years in prison. That's it. That's all I, I would say. That's that's not enough. But uh, using artificial intelligence to produce synthetic videos of child pornography. Stephen LaRouche, 61 years old of Sherbrooke, Quebec, he says that um, he's pleading guilty to creating at least seven videos with so-called deep fake technology, which is used to superimpose the face of an individual onto the body of another person. He also pleaded guilty to possessing hundreds of thousands of computer files of child pornography for which he was sentenced to an additional four and a half years. 
Provincial Court Judge Benoit Gannon uh, wrote in his ruling issued earlier this month that he believes that this was the first case in the country involving deep fake videos of child sexual exploitation. He said that he worried uh, about what would happen as criminals begin to use this technology to put the faces of children on whose images they find on social media onto these videos of other children being sexually assaulted. And um, this is just, uh, I'm going to agree with the judge here, chilling, right? Chilling, chilling story. A- absolutely insane. And then you have this other whack job, um, the sidekick to Klaus Schwab, Yuval Harari, saying, you know, this is what we do. We use apps to figure out how we feel. And I think they're, they're again, uh, to, to put it mildly, for lack of other words, a bunch of whack jobs. But I want to get to your calls on everything under the sun. Uh, we have a number of people on hold. We got calls from all over the place, Ohio, San Francisco. Um, let's see here. Texas, Atlanta. Let's go to John in San Francisco. On KNCO, John, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Great. Hi, Rich. Uh, thanks. You're doing a great job. Uh, it's great to hear all the other callers from all these different places around. And I, I like to look up their stations too, get to know their communities. But that's a different. But um, I, I can I share your concern about especially Harari and the WEF um, and you know, this whole. At a deeper level, it's really about free, do we have free will. Or is mm-hmm. are we a narrative? That that's a major way that he talks about right. and and this whole spectrum thing. I sort of a distraction to the uh, the bigger issue because their mentality, and we've already seen it with the pandemic, with the shutdowns, the censorship, the elections, is to that they believe that there this is progress. And it's progress to have everything really run by by an AI, basically yeah. everything, and 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 not have you know free will is 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 not real. They don't believe there's a real free will, and it goes back. No, they don't believe there's a real God and all that. So uh, you're a hundred percent right, issue. John. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? We had a clip of audio. I played it a month or three or four ago, um, but um, I, I was just blown away by it. Uh, again, this Professor Yuval Harari, he said exactly that. He said that, you know, this idea of God will dissipate as we, you know, expand AI and technology. And he used COVID as an example, saying, look at how uh, easily people were able to fall in line. And this was just an example of how it was and that people would eventually, um, you know, succumb to this to this this greater being that wasn't god or anything like that but it was this greater algorithm if and and i just thought my goodness this is absolutely insane but he says it with such a a flipped nature where he just really believes that to be true and normal and and again i guess you know more power to you if you want to believe in that stuff it's not something i believe in or i even think is is appropriate but uh, interesting how they really buy this stuff hook, line, and sinker, and now they're selling it to the rest of the world. I, I think that our response as free people, as trying to live the moral life, m- many of us are religious, is look at look at the uh, Eastern Europe, Central Europe under the Soviet under the Soviet era. They were underground, but they preserved small communities that. That, and through rate, like, like what, that's why your show is so important because it raises consciousness through free thought and inquiry. They brought down in a, symbolically the Berlin Wall this way. 
it really was it, it was not really violent. There were some, but strikes. Uh, the, you know, Poland. Uh, you know, that was the first. But my point is, we have to keep up. You know, free speech, free thought, deep inquiry, and fair debate is what your show is doing. This is how we will deal with some kind of you know WEF uh, uh, AI trying to control everything. Well put, John. Thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it, and I think you're right. Uh, let's continue. Big shout-out, by the way, to everybody in San Francisco on KNCO. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Ray in Big Spring, Texas. Ray, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hey, well, bless evening, Rich. I hope you're doing well, and uh, it's sounding great, and I really do appreciate having uh, Uncle Ted on the uh, on the show. A quick story. He <laughs> certainly you. didn't need a chip in his head or anything, Uh uh, when he was uh, probably uh, 13 or 15, he set a world record that uh, he he hit a squirrel uh, with bow and arrow at about 150 yards. And he didn't have wow. to question his gender or the squirrel's gender or something like that. <laughs> and that put him on the map before somewhere around. He was already picking guitar around then. But uh, uh, a, a gentleman and a scholar, and he does a lot for us, uh, disabled veterans. I, I don't have any eyeballs in my head around here, but I've been in radio for a while and and this and that, both commercial and in the military and stuff. And he does a lot for the veterans. And I really do appreciate uh, what you're doing. Uh, you know, Aaron, uh, uh, being a free speech or um, uh, a free uh, with everybody that you've had, your guests, especially this evening and every evening, and encourage anybody around here in Texas to head down that way. The weather's uh, kind of one of them things, but it's not going to stop uh, Uncle Ted. He's going to run around in his in his own cloth and the a guitar that weighs more than I do, a couple hundred pounds and lost, and uh, and put on quite a show. And I do appreciate uh, uh, everything that you're doing. And um, it's uh, it's a crazy world, and you're helping keep the uh, arrows uh, focused and straight. And thank you very much. God bless. Oh, thank you, Ray. That's very kind of you. Thanks for your service. And, um, of course, Godspeed to you. I appreciate uh, your kind words. And, of course, yeah, happy to have Ted Nugent on the show and, and everybody that's out there in Texas. Make sure you get out to this rally. Support it however you can. You want to send the best message that you can send. Uh, everybody, everywhere, right? I mean, because, um, you know, Texas is a big place and people are watching. We're going to get to the rest of your calls and more. Ray, big shout out to you. And thanks for listening online. Rich Valdez, America at night.com is the website if you want to stream the show you can listen from anywhere uh, the music means we're going to take a quick pause we're coming back to your calls we've got calls from all over the country chicago texas delaware ohio atlanta and more don't go anywhere 833-4-VALDEZ 833-4-VALDEZ we're coming right back Changes in the world. Welcome back. I am Rich Valdez. Happy to be with you guys. Give us a call, 833-482-5337. Let us go to the phones. Ken in Chicago, listening online. Uh, Rich Valdez, com. Ken, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Senior Valdez, como esta? 
Muy bien, Kenny. How are Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank God. That's about the extent of my Spanish. So, That's um, right. reason I'm calling is I, I, I'm sure there are others in the country that are feeling the way I'm feeling. I'm monitoring and watching tons of stuff online about China, their aggressiveness, and all that chatter going back and forth about nuclear arms, and then the crazy man in North Korea with. His stuff and Putin and the war and doomsday people telling you to buy stuff and people are buying guns. And it's just I, I got to be honest with you. I think I'm going to have to go see my doctor because I am like on either I got to stop watching this stuff or I have to get some medication to control my anxiety. I am really, really concerned for the first time in my life. I'm I'm 60 years old and I I am extremely concerned about what is going to happen here. Um, and it all, and I hear nothing from Washington. I, I hear that um, we don't have enough uh, missiles or arms to combat China. Um, you know, you could take the Middle East, you could take Russia, you could take China, you could take North Korea, you could take all those countries and they could aggressively attack the United States. And uh, I'm just, uh, just, just concerned and um i just don't know what the pulse of the country is and if anybody else feels the same way i do but uh this is really crazy what's going on and i'm uh was calling you to hopefully get a little bit of uh, solitude oh ken thanks for the call let me let me first say that i think tons and tons of americans feel exactly the way you do and i i also go through these feelings and what i can i'll give you how i deal with this Number one, I look at a lot of historical analysis um, and, you know, to, to kind of get away from some of the crazy. Right. I have a brother who absolutely adores conspiracy theories and he, he lives by this stuff and he's in a constant state of frenzy. And uh, I, I just I sit there and I, I try to reason with him and say, look, no, that, that makes sense. I mean, like even what you just said, right? You're concerned that China, North Korea and, and all, Iran, uh, Russia, all of our enemies might just want to get together and beat the crap out of us. That's a reality of life. That's a reality just like when we were having recess in the schoolyard and every bully in the school might get together and want to beat the crap out of us. That possibility always exists. And the idea that we should be prepared for it should always exist in our minds as well. But I don't know that we should be scared all the time. And what I do, uh, and you were right, I think your, your, your initial gut check was right, is I know for me, it's Friday. Uh, what I'm going to do this weekend is I'm going to jump on a plane first thing in the morning on a red eye to where there's lots of palm trees, sun and sand. And I'm going to be there till Monday morning. <laughs> and I'm never going to think about ch uh, China and North Korea and any of those things while I'm there. And it's important for one's mental health to do these things because it has to be done. Now, when I don't go to sunny South Florida or wherever I like to go, uh, I like to watch things that are mindless. And one that I'll share with you, and it's not an insult. I love the show. Um, Jersey Shore, right? It was a show, crazy reality show. They now have Jersey Shore Family Vacation. And I, I really enjoy it. It's crazy and it's funny and it's 
nothing to do with the reality of life. And I use it as an escape. And while a lot of people think that's what's wrong with America, I, I use this entertainment as, as balance because I can't sit here and literally imagine if I listen to Yuval Harari all day long and Klaus Schwab and the rest of these lunatics that want to take over the world. They're like real life Dr. Evils. We would all go nuts. So obviously I think what you're feeling is normal. It's absolutely a, a, a thing that everybody goes through. And I think we just have to figure out ways to let it out. The fact that you care about your country is just the fact that you're a patriot and you love your country, you love your family, you want to see your friends, neighbors, loved ones do well, and you want to see your country do well. I think we all do. But there has to be that, that uh, it's like a pressure cooker, right? There has to be that little valve that lets off some of the steam. Because if we don't let off some of the steam, then it, it becomes unhealthy. And, and that's where um, you're right. Maybe you should see the doctor. He'll probably tell you to eat a little better and exercise a little more. And I'm going to prescribe a little bit of Jersey Shore. It's a very funny show. And uh, you might be offended by it at times, but most of the time it's pretty funny. And whatever you're, you know, you pick your poison when it comes to mindless television. But you do something and, and, uh, and break away from the reality or the heaviness of the news cycle because it is crazy. And, and we all need a break, Ken. At least that's my two cents. Thank you, Rich. It's, you know, it's, you know, I talk with my kids and I, and I, we've never, I've never, ever been, you know, when all the wars were going on Vietnam Mm -hmm. when I was a little kid and, you know, none of that was affecting me. And today these countries with their capabilities, they're in arm's reach away. And, uh, you know, part of, um, uh, the uh, Communist Party is that they don't care about people and their uh, their livelihoods and their families. They it's just uh, it's their way or the highway. And um, I, I just I don't see anything in this sleepy administration doing anything. And we don't need words to go back and forth to insinuate anything and to get something started. I just don't have a gut feeling that this country that we're prepared uh, for anything that could happen. And I just wish that we would send somebody over there and start talking with them. You know, heck, America is China's biggest customer. Everything that's manufactured that we purchase at stores are in China. So why would China want to ruin their economy from their biggest? Well, I don't think they do. I don't think they do. And I think you're onto it. If, If you just briefly think about, you know, extortion and how it worked when the mob was in charge. You know, they, they, they would go around saying they were going to break your legs, but they would never kill you because they wanted you to pay your VIG every week. They wanted to make sure you kept paying them the money. And, and, and that's, in effect, China's M.O., right? We uh, fight in such a way of we will destroy your country, we'll destroy your political structure, we'll rebuild it for you, and we'll give it back to you 20 years later and we'll keep a base there. That's our way of doing things. But that's not China's way. China doesn't necessarily want to see America brought to its knees, per se, they can they can get what they want without having to break the golden goose. And and, and this is why I believe uh, th- this is how they're going to do their warfare. It's always going to be unconventional. It's going to be very Sung Tzu um, art of war type of warfare where they, they, they don't want that. They don't need that. Same thing with um, Korea. We If you didn't listen to last night's show, we had a great conversation with Brent Sadler. And he um, he spent a lot of time in Asia during his time as a professor for the Naval War College. And he explained it in a really interesting way that they, they have a whole different way of doing things. They want things their way, and they're going to try and get their way, but they don't necessarily 
want to do it through a hot war because they specialize in Cold War tactics. So I believe that's what we're seeing right now. And and it, the the same way Russia uses ideological subversion and and this um, this, you know, this way of brainwashing people to to get their will and to get their way, this psychological warfare. Uh, I think China is right there with them in doing the same thing. It's it's the communist way. And and that's part of what they want to do is create this anxiety in Americans and in other people so that they can continue to exert their influence and strength. So I, I think I don't believe that we're going to see tanks and 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 Chinese uh, soldiers ever on American soil. It's not necessary when they can easily use their influence and espionage to take over a guy like Joe Biden. Now they've got all the control they want. They get their way. And there's no need to pull a, a trigger. This is how the communist operates. It's how the left operates. They don't want the fight. They just want the outcome. And as long as we remain cognizant of that, we can try to fight that. But the minute we let our guard down, that's the minute that we'll lose. Anyway, Ken, I got to move on. But thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in from Chicago and listening online. And everybody else that's listening online, Rich Valdez, AmericaAtNight.com. I uh, much appreciate it. We're going to get to the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. With Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Continuing with your phone calls, uh, there's a hot topic on what's going on with uh, these crazy globalists. And I wanted to introduce another topic, but this one's so juicy, we keep getting calls on it. Let's go to Frank in Akron, Ohio, WNIR. Frank, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Thank you, Rich. It's an honor. Hey, you. Uh... I'm a two-tour non-vet, and uh, I've been around 75-plus years. Thanks and for your service. I've, no, thank you, sir, for your service. Hey, uh, and and I'm not trying to overblow it or, or panic people, but this is worldwide, and this is, this is a global assault from hell itself and satanic assault from hell itself on God, humanity, and God's creation. You know, Frank, I, I agree with so much of what you're saying because ultimately when you talk about this global assault, a uh, satanic assault on God and all things holy, um, to me it's, it's the quintessential battle between good and evil. And, and we're seeing it play out in real time. And while I guess that never really goes away, this battle between good and evil, uh, it's just fascinating to see it at this level when you have this guy, again, Harari, just to not overplay him. I hate to really promote these guys. But, you know, when he makes these outlandish statements like he has that, you know, we, we are in ourselves, we are gods and we will replace the gods that we pray to and and use A.I. to do it. It's it just it, it's mind boggling to think that this is not just some crackpot anymore as much as I think he's a crackpot. These people have a massive following that starts with global leaders. You know, they have the World Economic Forum. You've got tastemakers and influencers from every walk of life, including heads of state, and they're all there. 
And these are people with money and influence and power. And it, it just, uh, you know, I just never thought I'd see the day where there's always been gatherings of, of influential people, Bilderberg, et cetera, no problem. But uh, they weren't always nuts. You know, sometimes they might have been evil, but they weren't always nuts. Now they're nuts and they're evil. And it's just, uh, it's remarkable to see us living through this time. And uh, I'm just grateful for for great Americans like you and everybody that listens to the program uh, for, for your kind words and for your service to the country because uh, we got to call it for what it is. And uh, I just appreciate your candor and I thank you. Big shout out to everybody in Akron, Ohio on WNIR. Frank, you're a patriot. Let us continue. Uh, let's, where are we going now? Let's see. We're going to Paul in Ohio, W-H-I-Z. Paul, go for it, my man. Hey, uh, good evening, Rich. You know, I don't want to stoke you too much, but um, I'll tell you a little story real quick. When you first come on after you took over for Jimbo, I told my wife, I said, well, I don't know if I'm going to listen to him. You know, I got I to gotta fill him out a little bit. But, uh, Rich, you have uh, survived, in my opinion. You're doing Thank a great you. job. I mean, last week I was like, great week of shows. This week, even better. So I want to uh, thank you, you know, for your entertainment every night oh. because I listen to the radio. And the point I'm getting to, Rich, is this AI. Now, I'm mm. a nice person. I wake up in the morning. You know, I am who I am. You know, I know how to think for myself. And I do not like, you know, Facebook Twitter, and I know you're going to get on me for this, but I do not do anything <laughs> like that. I seriously don't. Now, yeah. tonight I had to listen. There was a baseball game on, and I couldn't listen to you on my radio. So I went to my phone, and I have heard you on three or four different stations tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I guess so they were interrupting me up, for sports. Yes, um, but I'm, I just think if you just think for yourself and, you know, use common sense. Um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it'll be all right. You know, there's too much social media. I went to my break room today at lunchtime and I looked in and everybody in that break room was on their phones. You know, I don't do that. I'm at work to work, you know, and <laughs> right. I, I just think it's crazy. What do you think, Rich? I mean, I just think there's too much influence. With I'm with media, you. And then you I'm, watch. I'm, I'm very um, I'm very old school that way. And I do agree with what you're saying that there's a lot. And this is why I watch TV. Right. <laughs> but the boob too, but to, to kind of uh, brainwash myself the other way, because I think the stuff that we, we have too much crazy going on right now and it, it's very heavy. The topics are heavy. But I agree with you. You have to be your, your own person. You have to make your own choices. And, you know, for a guy like me, when I'm out, I'm always on my phone. It's because I'm working from my phone. Like I work three hours a night on the radio, but there's, I don't know, nine hours of preparation throughout the day of getting the guests, finding the right guests. That guest bailed out. We got to go with this one. I'm working with an amazing team, by the way. So when you pay me a compliment like that, I have to say I want a big thanks to everybody. Bill Barnett, our booker, uh, Rich Cementa, our booker, Count Delacula, our call screener, Alex Hinton on the board. There's a lot of people that go into this effort, and uh, I don't want to ever take all the credit for that. But um, it, 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 there's a lot, and, and you're right. People need to put their head up for a second and smell the flowers, drink the coffee, know what's going on, because if we don't do that, uh, we, we might miss out on some of the beautiful things in life, Paul. Yes, I think it was old uh, Mac. Mac, I uh, can't remember his last name, that said, stop and smell the roses. You know, mm -hmm. um, you, you have to do that, you know, and that's what I'm going to do this weekend. I had the weekend off. The, the weather's been horrible here in Zanesville, Ohio. 
Um, we had a lot of rain, but um, I just like people to step back a little bit and just, you know, take time for yourself and quit paying attention to all this social media. Listen to the radio and the Rich Valdez yeah. show. You <laughs> oh, have a nice thank weekend. You. Godspeed, Rich. Thank you, Paul. You too, my man. God bless you. That's fantastic. All right, we got your calls coming up next. I know you've been holding on. Hang in there. I'm going to get to you right now. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Rich Valdez, who again will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to him. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Doc in Wilmington, Delaware, WDEL. Go right ahead. Got two quick points to make. Central bank digital currencies and the national surveillance state as outlined by Edward Snowden in his book, The NSA Defector. We're already under our surveillance state due to the Patriot Act and the NSA, listening to all our phone calls and our texts, our emails. President Biden has already signed an executive order rolling out by a certain date, a CBDC to replace U.S. dollar to make us cashless. That would mean we would be surveilled all about China. Jamie Dimon wants to make facial recognition and face scanning mandatory for all Chase customers. Big Brother is watching, watching you and me, too. And 1984 is already here, my brother. Doc, you're so right. And you know what? We should probably do a whole hour on that because that's a huge topic, not just the CBDC, but how like, you know, you're almost trapped into it on Facebook, on here and there. The uh, the facial recognition, people with smartphones, they use their face to unlock it. I mean, it's just crazy how much of that is out there. And you're right. They're, they're pushing for that big time. That is the surveillance state. It is 1984 and it is absolutely stunning. Uh, I want to have that conversation uh, at length with you, with Doc and everybody else who wants to have it. Thank you for your call, Doc. Have a great weekend. God bless you. Thanks for your service. You're also a patriot. And I want to go to Steve quickly because you've been on hold for a little bit, and I appreciate your your loyalty. Go right ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it, too. Um, hey, so um, first of all, you did an awesome, awesome, awesome job explaining the Belt and Road Initiative. And anyone can Google that and, and look it up on and, and, and see what that's about. That is China's thing, and you sure. explained it exactly right. You can take it over an entire country, and not the most powerful country in the world, and never fire a shot. Yep. Universities, yep. right? The businesses. Oh, yeah. Social yeah, they, media. They use the Confucius exactly. Institutes. Yeah, they, 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 they have figured out a way yeah, to get into everything, Steve. Thank you for the call and for the compliment. I appreciate it. And I wish we had a little more time. Let's work on a fourth hour, right? Let's lobby Westwood One and and your local affiliates. Anyway, (laughs) take care. Good night. God bless. I am Rich Valdez. We're going to do it all again next time. Hasta la próxima. Uh, Stay tuned to the radio, right? Keep listening because we're going to do it again on Monday. Take care. God bless.
the Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.